As I said earlier, yesterday morning we had the annual Pearly and Kenley Churches Together Prayer Breakfast at Pearly Baptist Church. There was a real great spread, um, and there was a good spread of people as well from the different churches. The members of various churches came together, and we had a delicious breakfast with great fellowship and conversations around the table. And then we went through to the sanctuary where we did things a little bit differently this year. In the past, we've gone in and there's been prayer stations where the clergy have led those prayer stations. And uh, at each prayer station, there'd be a little short talk from the, from the, the person leading it and then a time of praying into that area of something to do within the Purley and Kenley areas. Um, but this year... We, we changed things around a bit. We did things a little bit differently. Doug, who's the vicar of Christchurch, just across the road there, posed three questions. And the first one was, what does a transformed Pearly and Kenley look like? The second question was, what needs to happen for that transformation to take place? And thirdly, what, if anything, is our part and which can we do together? Three questions that we worked through them at times of prayer. We waited on God, we prayed, and then on each, uh, in, in the midst of each group there was a table and a big uh, piece of paper and write, things were written down on that. Um, our group, we, we had lots of stuff coming through, it was all recorded, and so it was a great time of, of brainstorming, waiting on God, speaking to one another, chatting about different things. Um, and those have been collected up and they will be collated and presented to us as the clergy um, for us to look at and see what is God saying to us as the church in Purley and Kenley. Um, it was a really fruitful time and uh, to go with us being together. And I believe it, we're going to see transformation take place um, in Purley and Kenley. It's going to come. Um, some of it will come slowly. Some of it might be a bit quicker. We'll, we'll see what God is is uh, doing with us here. So why am I telling you this? I'm so glad you asked me that. (laughs) We all have a part to play if we want to see transformation take place in Purley and Kenley and in the borough of Croydon, of which we are part of. We live in a broken society, in a broken world. It has been broken since almost the beginning of time, if you think about it. God did not create it broken. He created it perfectly. Everything was perfect. He said it is very good at the end of the sixth day. But shortly after creation of the world, man, Adam and Eve, messed up and sin came into the world when they decided to disobey God and listen to the serpent, to Satan, and do what he said. They were told not to eat from one tree. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. But they did. And then God said they've got to get out of the garden to stop them from eating from the tree of life so they would live eternally. And since then the world has been in upheaval and there's been trouble and disaster happening and will carry on happening until Jesus returns. We know this because we've read the end of the good book. We've read the end of the Bible. We know there's going to be troubles all the way through. But within these times of disaster, it's possible to live in peace. We can live in peace even in times of trouble and disaster. There are two portions of scripture that come to mind when I think about seeing change and peace come to where I'm living. 
The first one is in the New Testament. It's in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. Paul writing to his spiritual son, Timothy. He says, I urge you then, first of all, that requests, prayers, and intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. We are to pray for everyone, and that's what we do every Sunday when we come together. After worship, when we stop and pray, we are doing what Paul has instructed Timothy and us to do. Pray for everyone. Pray for those in authority, kings and those in authority. We've got a queen here at the moment in authority in this, in this nation, but pray for her and her family and for those in, in authority, be it national or local that we may live peaceful and quiet lives and that people might get saved. When people see us living with peace in times of trouble and turmoil, they're going to ask us, where does our peace come from? And that gives us the opportunity to share of the love of Jesus. The second portion of Scripture is found in the Old Testament. It's a well-known verse, and I want to look at some lessons from it this morning. So I want to look at some lessons from 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. I think most of us have heard this verse quoted many times. Um, Whenever there's trouble going on, this verse is one of the favorite verses to be prayed out and to be spoken about. 2 Chronicles 7, 14 says, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Whenever people think that their country or area is going through times of crisis or trouble, as we've been going through with Brexit and possibly will go through with the implementation of Brexit, this verse is often quoted and used to call people to pray. It's never a bad thing to call people to pray. Now we saw it used in South Africa back in the the 80s and into the 90s with the transformation that took place there with the end of apartheid and the beginning of a a new society of free and fair elections for everyone. Um, The change in the political status in that country. There was was a belief that there would be a blood blood bath, there would be bloodshed. And yes, there has been a lot of bloodshed in South Africa. through lawlessness and things like that, but not on the scale that people were predicting. And a lot of it was because the church rallied together and prayed together and worshipped together and broke those boundaries. The church was one of the few places where you could go into where color didn't make any difference, whereas elsewhere in the country there were restrictions, laws against being able to mix together. But in the church we could come together without any restrictions. And as I was thinking about this verse, I thought I should have a look at it in the context to see what is happening at the time. Because if you look at the verse on its own, you would think it was was given during a time of serious trouble in the nation of Israel. You would think that the people of God had departed far from God and were really struggling and in deep trouble. Now 1 Chronicles and 2 Chronicles are books of the history of the Israelites, as the name suggests. First Chronicles records the lineage from Adam to David, 
And then 2 Chronicles begins with the reign of Solomon, David's son, as king, and goes through to the fall of Jerusalem and the exile uh, into Babylon. The first six chapters of 2 Chronicles are an account of the building and dedication of the temple in Jerusalem. Chapter 1, Solomon asks for wisdom from God. In chapter 2, preparations are made for building the temple. In chapter 3, Solomon builds the temple. In chapter 4, the temple is furnished. Chapter 5, the ark is brought into the Holy of Holies in the temple with much sacrificing of animals and praising of God with voice and instruments. Chapter 6, Solomon prays and dedicates the temple. Chapter 7, the beginning of it, fire comes down from heaven and consumes all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. After all the dedications and celebrations, the temple is complete and the people are sent home and God visits Solomon at night. If we read 2 Chronicles 7, 11 through to 16, you'll see how this fits in. It says, When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace, The Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayers and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. That's all great. Then seems to change. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and, forgive, and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. Isn't that wonderful to know? That God's eyes and ears are open to our prayers. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. So when God spoke these words to Solomon... Israel was in a great place. Most probably the best place they ever were in their whole history. The temple was built. The presence of God was in their midst. They were at peace and prospering. And as I was thinking about this verse and had looked at it in the context of it, I started breaking it up into sections and thinking about each part. And that's what I want to look at today, the lessons that we can learn from this verse. Is this a promise just for the Jews, or is it for everyone? It starts off, if my people. Who are God's people? The Jews, or everyone? Now we have the benefit of reading the Old Testament through the lens of the New Testament. So we know that this promise is for all people. Because we are all God's people. We are all made in God's image and likeness. The Jews were chosen and still are chosen as God's people. But we are also his people. He sent his son to die for all people. No matter who they are, where they are, they have access to this promise. This is a promise for everyone. But this brings us to the next point. If my people who are called by my name 
We are all called God's people. But are, all, are we all called by his name? Which people are called by God's name? And when you read through the Old Testament, you'll see often, I will be your God and you will be my people. I will be your God, you will be my people. God speaking to the Israelites. The Jews were God's chosen people. And still are, I believe. But there has been a change. That position is now open to all. It doesn't mean that they are no longer God's chosen people, the Jews. But it's now open for all of us to come into. We are all who are willing to accept the conditions of adoption into the family of God can be called God's people. We can be called by His name. So how do we get adopted into the family of God? How are we adopted? That's my third point. It's found in the next part of the verse. It says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. These are the terms and conditions to be adopted into the family of God. We know today when kids get adopted, it's quite a lengthy process. There's all sorts of legalities you've got to go through. The the two adults, the parents who want to adopt, or the parents-to-be who want to adopt, have to be vetted and checked. And uh, there's a whole process for that. Um, being, Being adopted into God's family is a whole lot easier than that. But there are terms and conditions. And one of them is we are to be humble. We are to humble ourselves. Not thinking too much of ourselves. Realizing who we are, especially in comparison to who God is. We've got to realize that we are His creation. That we are sinners. But He loves us. We humble ourselves and then we are to pray and seek God's face. And what does God's face look like? It looks like Jesus. Jesus said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. In John 14, 9, he says, anyone who has seen me, you've seen the Father. God's face looks like Jesus. Now, we haven't seen Jesus' face, but we have a fairly good picture of him because of the scriptures. Anyone wanting to be adopted into the family of God is to seek Jesus. Call out to him, speak to him, and listen to him. And that's prayer. That's what prayer is. Speaking to God, speaking to Jesus, listening to him. Find him and receive him as Lord and Savior. One of the conditions to be adopted is you've got to recognize Jesus as Lord and ask him to be your Savior. And thirdly, next part of this Verses, turn from their wicked ways. Just like Jesus said to the woman caught in adultery, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. We are to turn away from sin and turn to Jesus. And that's often called repentance. We turn away from our sin. We turn our back to the sin of the world, the call of the world, the draw of the world. And we turn to Jesus. Now I've said it many times, I'm sure most of you have heard me say it, like when you walk towards the sun, the darkness, the shadow is behind you. 
When you turn around, you walk away from the sun, the darkness, the shadows in front of you. And that's what it means to walk in sin or walk in the freedom of Christ, is to walk in the light of who God is. The sun, S-U-N, not S-O-N, not S-U-N. When we walk towards Him, darkness is behind us. Some people are still on that journey that we encounter in our, day, in our daily life. Others have made that decision for Jesus, and we're walking in that way, walking together. So we walk to Jesus, towards him. It's called repentance. When we do our part, God does his part, which is the final point. Then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. God is always waiting and willing to hear, hear from us and to forgive us and to bring healing to us. We need to be humble and call out to Him and share this great news with others who do not know about this, about God, who's concerned for them and with the situation that they find themselves in. And God is concerned with the situation of the world said to man in the beginning that we are to rule, have dominion over the whole world. And his salvation came for the whole world. Not just for man, but for the whole world. And we're living in troubled times at the moment. And there's all sorts of stories, things going on, that uh, the world is in decay, the world is going bad. We know that. There's lots happening. And we as Christians should be concerned about that as well. Not just about the salvation of souls, the salvation of people, but it's also being concerned for the things that God has created, all his creation. We are to be responsible for that. He gave us authority over all creation. And God will bring healing to us. When we turn from our sin and turn towards him, he hears us. He hears us. So if we want to see our nation healed... We need to be spending time with God in His presence, hearing from Him, and then we need, we need to be sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, why He came to earth, what He's done, why He did it, who He did it for. We need to be sharing that with those out there that do not know Him. People who are not yet sons and daughters of the living God. Everyone has the opportunity to come to know Jesus. Often we're accused of Christianity as being exclusive. Yes, in some ways it is exclusive, but it's all-inclusive as well. Because Jesus died for all. He didn't die for the select few. He died for everyone. He died. It says, God sent his son for the world, the whole world, that the world could be saved. Didn't exclude anyone, but there is only one way to come into the world that Jesus has for us, and that's through him. There is only one way. And if we want to see healing in our land, we've got to be involved in seeing healing in the hearts of those who don't know Jesus, but also those that do know Jesus who are dealing with hurts and struggles in their lives. We want to see healing of the heart first. 
And that begins with us being reconciled to God through Jesus Christ and for those out in the world that don't know him to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Do we want to see this land healed? Do we want to see Pearlie and Kenley Croydon being a a town, a borough? Do we want to see London as a city that is healed, where there's wholeness, where people are not struggling to, to find their identity, they can know who they are because they can see themselves as children of the living God. They can recognize themselves as sons and daughters of the living God. Do we want to see that? Then we need to spend time in the presence of God so that we are equipped to go and spread the good news of Jesus Christ with all people and see healing begin to come upon this land. It will only happen when we see people being healed and reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. That's when healing will come to this land. It's got to start with us, with our hearts, and us having a heart for those that are lost, those that do not know Jesus. It doesn't mean we're all evangelists. We don't have to be all evangelists. But we're all called to evangelize, to share the good news. We're all called to go and make disciples. That's a commission to every one of us. The Great Commission is for all of us, as sons and daughters of the living God. We have the greatest gift in the earth today. Life, eternal life in Jesus Christ. And that's what we've got to share with those out there that do not know him. So four little lessons, hopefully, that we can learn from this one verse. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you hear us when we humble ourselves, when we turn from our wicked ways, when we call out to you, you hear us. You hear us. You hear our cries. You hear our prayers. Those prayers that are for ourselves, but also our prayers for others, for those that are, that are lost and out, there, out in the world who have no idea who you are. Help each one of us to have a heart for the lost. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. Teach us your ways so that we can go out and make disciples of all nations. And Lord, we're privileged to live in a nation and in a city that has so many nations represented in it. Nearly all the nations of the world are found here in London. Lord, we just thank you for that. But there are times when we call to go beyond just the borders of where we are, to go into those nations. And if you're calling us to do that, or calling any one of us to do that, Lord God, just pray your blessing upon them, and your leading and your guiding. Thank you, Lord, that you call us to go and make disciples. You call us to come to you and then to go to others. 
Help us to do that, Lord. Amen.